Welcome to another episode of The Corner Booth, the official podcast of RestaurantOwner.com and Restaurant Startup and Growth Magazine. Today, the restaurant industry is changing faster than ever. Learn from successful independent restaurant operators and other industry leaders as they share best practices that will help you engage your team, delight your guests, and grow your business. Welcome to another episode of Corner Booth. I'm Chris Tripoli with RestaurantOwner.com. I'm Barry Schuster, editor of Restaurant Startup and Growth Magazine. And you know, Barry, we've talked about different segments of the market and how they've gotten very interesting. Today, we're going to be able to present, I guess, to our our listeners how impulse purchasing has maybe developed into a huge market because we've got a great example of that booming market segment with us. Chris Schultz, who's the president of Voodoo Donut. And so, uh, Chris, we really appreciate you taking some time. Welcome to Corner Booth. Hey, Chris and Barry. Super pumped. Thanks for the invitation. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I'm the CEO, so I don't know if that's better or worse than president. I don't know if you just gave me a promotion yeah. or a demotion, right? I've been doing this for so long, it never really mattered to me. So either thanks a lot for the promotion or darn it. You know, don't demote me already. I think I'm doing a pretty good job, but hey, I'm super excited to be here. Thanks, thanks CEO, for taking the time CEO with is a good title. I like that. That uh, That's the guy in charge. He's a chief tasting officer at your place. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, Chris, you know, we usually start these things out by just trying to get some background and history and story of our guests. Yeah. Uh, you know, you, you didn't just fall out of a turnip truck and become CEO of, of Voodoo Donuts. There was some kind of journey there and there was something that led you to the restaurant business and the food business rather than going to Harvard and getting your medical degree. So what what uh, yeah. where, where does this all start with young Chris? Yeah, well, I, I appreciate the intro and, and the question. I have only ever worked in a restaurant business. So I, I've been over 40 years in the restaurant business. To date myself, I know I look really good. It's the Portland sunshine. Um, <laughs> but I have only ever worked in a restaurant business. Didn't, uh, wasn't fortunate enough to go to college. Quite frankly, probably wasn't smart enough at that point in time in my life. So I've only ever worked, worked in a restaurant business growing up, you know, different chains, different venues. Um, I was fortunate enough in the early 90s to join Starbucks when they had 200 some odd stores. I was there for 12 or 13 years and left, there was 20,000 stores and went from there and, and helped to start Mod Pizza. If you're familiar with Mod, sure. kind of the innovators of Fast Casual, I was at Mod at store one. So I was the sixth employee hired at Mod and helped grow Mod and, and really was just a part of this crazy ride with Mod, right? From one, I think I left, there was 350, including 10 in the UK that we had opened. And that was about eight and a half years with them. And then came to Voodoo about five years ago now and took over this crazy brand where uh, when I got here, there was five. Uh, now we're sitting on 17 with another six to go this year. So I've been real fortunate, right, to work with a lot of growing brands in my career and just always kind of listened and paid attention and, and, and grew, right, grew in my role and was fortunate enough to be in the right place at the right time, both at Starbucks and Mod and now we're at Voodoo. Wow. So Voodoo Donuts, my understanding that it's iconic, and particularly with the younger audience, you know, we have a lot of, of readers and members who want to go into multi-unit operations and growth, want to have uh, multiple units. And of course, to you know, to do that, 
successfully, you have to have a really strong brand. So tell us what you've learned about creating a real brand, something that, as I was telling you earlier, I was out talking to a friend. Her daughter said, oh, he's going to interview the president of Voodoo Donuts. You know, I, I might as well have told her I was going to meet the Queen of England. So what? how does that work? Yeah, I, you know, one of the things that, that I've come to know and, and understand is be authentic, right? Know who you are and be authentic to it, right? Don't try to do a bunch of different things. and But be an authentic brand. I mean, you know, one of the things that resonates through, and it's so funny because they're so different, but in my recent year, Starbucks, Salon, Narrative, Video Donut, all very different, all all in different discipline. But the one thing they all had was they were authentic, right? Mm-hmm. They were they were authentic in, in what they presented to their customers. They were authentic as a brand. And I think that was that's important, right? I got to Voodoo and they'd already been, I mean, right now Voodoo is a 20-year startup. I mean, they've been in business for 20 years. They're an iconic brand with an with a cult following. I and mean, we have a quarter of a million followers on Instagram, right? I mean, we were a cult brand before I got here. It really was about these two wacky founders that kind of found a niche up here in, in Portland and kind of grew it. But I'll tell you the one thing the founders did, which was super important, was they knew their limitations, right? So many founders and so many entrepreneurs just don't know their limitations, right? They think they can do everything. And the challenge is when you try to do everything, you do nothing really well. Now, right? we all are familiar, Chris yeah. and I are both, and we're all familiar with uh, some other very major brands in the donut sector. We're not going to mention them by yeah. name. But <laughs> oh, we can. Donut yeah, is a star yeah. of the show. But yeah. um, it there are some serious competition out there. Yeah. People have a certain idea what donuts are and what a, what to expect. What differentiates Voodoo Donut? And, 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 and I'm just assuming that it's all about donuts, but that's kind of a, a scary assumption because you may have other, a lot of other things going on in there that I can eat besides ordering a donut. So um, what's the differentiating factor, the menu yeah. service, you know? Yeah, yeah. So first off, you know, I think the world's changed. Um, my competition is not just donut shops, right? I don't look at the, and I'll call them out, the Dunkins and the, and, you know, all those guys, right? Um, I, those are a part of my competition, mm-hmm. but they're not my, they're not it, right? The Jenny's ice cream, the crumble cookies. I mean, all those folks are, are my competition, right? It's all searching, as you talked about, this indulgence, this, this, snap decision to treat themselves, right? Mm-hmm. So I, I'm facing those same folks with 10 or $20 in their hand, and they want a special treat. And whether it's ice cream or cookies or soft serve or a bakery or donuts, that's our competitors, right? And so we need to be very aware of that. And that's, uh, and- that's kind of what I was thinking. I was thinking that we're going to hear today, and I want the listeners to really tune in on that, that market segment competition is different today than before. There isn't just, as you just pointed out, donut to donut. So if people are out there now and they're thinking, okay, I'm a, I'm a whatever, a counter service taco guy. Okay, well, this isn't just taco to taco anymore. From what I'm hearing you say, it's, it's, it's that dollar range. If someone's out there shopping for maybe a quick, hot Mexican bite to eat for 10 to $20, that means every taco guy, every burrito guy, probably every burger guy needs to be looked at as competition. Am I right? Yeah, every sandwich guy, right? I mean, it, it's every it's, sandwich you know, guy. It's, 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 for me, it's really looking out and saying it's trying to capture that customer or that person, the customer who's got, you know, $10 to $20 and they want to treat themselves and 
maybe they're coming once a month or maybe they're coming, you know, every, twice a month. I don't know. But yet they want to treat themselves. And now they have $20 and they're making educated decisions on where they want to spend it. Right. Especially in today's economy, today's world. Right. And you've got to ensure that when you eliminate the no vote first. Right. So eliminate the no vote first and then and then work towards getting the yes vote. So eliminate the no vote, meaning that we're we're open. We've got we've got a name recognition. We provide good product. Right. Because and, and it's 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 um, it's craveable. Right. Craveability is huge in food. Mm-hmm. Right. And then the yes vote is, is it is it a fair price? Right. Is it an experience when you come in? I mean, you come to one of our donut shops. We're open 22 hours a day. We close from 3 a.m. to 5 a.m. But other than that, we're open. And many times you come to a voodoo and there's a 40 minute, an hour wait in line to get into the donut shop. I mean, it wow. just is what it is. Um, but the reality is then it's got to be an event. Right. When you come in, you're like, I just did line for 30 minutes what are you doing for me? And whether that's the music or the environment, you come in our donut shops and they're not the traditional donut shops. All of our donut shops, our donuts are in jewel cases that spin, right? That you can see and you're kind of mesmerized by that. We put chandeliers in, we put all these things that you've never seen in our donut shop. We don't talk about throughput. Like if you stood in line for 20 minutes and you want to stand at the counter for 30 minutes, all of my team members, everybody works in the stores knows that's totally fine. Right. Because I want to ensure that, you know, you have a value and that you've spent your $20 in my in my particular establishment and you're going to come back. Unfortunately, I'm the guy that got to stand behind that guy once or twice. (laughs) Yeah, we did. We all have. Right. I mean, I come from from two different brands prior to Voodoo, which are all about throughput, Starbucks and mod. But but I think you're seeing the same piece in all of this. Right. Where those that want to move fast, use their phone, order online, they go pick it up. Those that want to engage, right? They leave a little bit more time for engagement and communication. And so we, we work really hard on that in our stores about be fast when the customer wants you to use fast. And when they don't, it's okay. It's all right, right? Again, it's all about the experience. And so for me, that's, that's where we're at. It's voodoo, all grab and go. Or if I want to sit down and enjoy my donut within the premises is that something that uh, is available to me yeah so so in in some of our stores we do have seating areas it's funny you must have been on one of our recent strategy meetings right i'm talking about building new stores right do we put seats in and how many seats we put in you know my take on it is no one orders a second round of donuts right so it's not like we're sitting at a table and someone goes let's let's, let me go get another round for us right Mm -hmm. so you have to have enough tables or chairs or or areas where people can sit, where they can sit and enjoy for a 15-minute dwell time. But outside of that, right, it's all about space and volume. We, at Voodoo, we produce all of our donuts in-house. So every store is a full production kitchen. Well, those are big kitchens, right? They take them a lot of space. And then we have the counter. So you got to kind of think about as you're building out your stores, how big you want to become. Because as you know, retail is not getting, not getting any cheaper, right? Yeah. So... We have, a, in most of our stores, we have a few cocktails. I call them cocktail stand-up tables where people can enjoy it, but we're not looking for a full build-out, kind of sit down, um, enjoy it. And again, I, you know, it, it's not about not wanting people to be comfortable. It's just about the fact that people don't, don't want to sit there all day long. Well, the music's usually louder. We're, we play music loud. Like, you come to our stores, and it's loud. It's loud. There's people. There's, it's not 
the Starbucks where you want to sit with your laptop and do work. And I'm guessing just from my experiences that a larger percentage of your uh, guests at the counter are ordering boxes or half dozens or dozens or so, so that really is grab and go because it's defined by I'm going to eat one now, but I'm taking home for later, or I'm running to the office and I need 20. What, what percentage of your business is really that where it's the um, not the single donut cookie guy who wants oh, to make, yeah. have a cup of coffee, but they're ordering by the dozen or by the box? Yeah, I, I would I would tell you north of 75% of our folks are buying dozens, right? Or multiples, right? Yeah. Multiple donuts. 75%. Um, wow. Okay. Yeah, I would say order order more than one, right? And again, if you stand in line for 30 minutes, 45 minutes, or you stood in line, you're you, you know, it's like, hey, strike while the iron's hot, right? Let me get a couple of these. And our and our offerings are so unique and so different, right? We do have the very traditional ones. But, you know, we name our donuts different. We have a Homer, an ODB, Old Dirty. You know, we've got all kind of these different names. We were the inventors of the bacon maple bar. Yes. And, and, and we, we say that uh, openly and honestly. And we challenge anyone to come up and say we didn't. But 20, 20 years ago, Voodoo used to be open from 10 p.m. to 10 a.m. Get that. 10 p.m. to 10 a.m. That's what the founders started opening the business. And one of them brought bacon with him to work. And they put bacon on a maple bar. I was like, damn, that's good. Let's sell it. And that's where it started 20 years ago. So um, it's just a totally different environment. You know, all of our stores are now glass to our kitchens. Yeah. Right. Because we, we want people to see the product being made. You know, I was taught a long time ago, if you're going to do something, get credit for it from your customers. So if you're going to make, if you're going to make donuts in house, let them see it, take credit for it. Let them see the donuts being made fresh and decorated fresh in, in, so that's what I, one of the aha moments I've had over the years is, you know, obviously, if you're going to do something, take it, take full credit for it. Operationally, uh, Chris, um, donuts don't have a, a long shelf life. I've got to imagine yeah. that the data you keep on donut sales is <laughs> is tremendous. And I got to believe that you apply that data to your production to like a scientist. Am I am my fantasizing too much here? A little bit. You know, listen, we do. We're a full production kitchen and we have numbers and, and we know what, what people are coming in, but we also have 51 SKUs, mm-hmm. right? Throw that into the math, right? Yeah. So 51 SKUs, trying never to be out of it, waiting for the busload of high schoolers to pull up, right? You're never really sure. Um, and, and we do incredibly high volumes. We have stores that do north of $5 million a year. We have a store that is north of $7 million mm-hmm. in donut sales, Wow. right? Um so that's a lot of donuts. Oh, yeah. And so we do apply. We, we make donuts three times a day. So three shifts a day, we make donuts three times a day. Fresh donuts three times a day in our stores. So we're constantly making product. Are all of your newer stores or most of your stores have the drive-through? Um, if, if so, when did that kind of start? And how yeah. much convenience has that added to your, you know, uh, your your revenue, I guess, and your operation. Yeah, I, I, listen, I think I'm like everybody else in this space. Everyone's looking for drive throughs right? Everybody, everybody, everybody's looking for drive throughs um, We opened our first drive through two years ago now, two and a half years ago in Houston, Texas. It was our first one. It was absolutely opportunistic, right? It was just yeah. after COVID. We were coming out of COVID. Everybody wanted drive throughs We happened to find a drive through in Houston, Texas, and we opened it up and um, – 
it, it did gangbusters for us, right? We now I have remember. four. I remember yeah. the policemen having to direct traffic. Right. Yeah, we had, we had, we did, we did have private or the public uh, police officers out there for almost a month directing traffic in Houston. Um, we now have four drive-throughs, uh, almost all look, all located in Houston. Um, we're about to open a store in Boulder, Colorado. That's an old, that's a drive-through that'll open in early July. Um, you know, we take advantage of the drive-throughs where we can. Um, you know, listen, for us, it's, it's, it's great, right? We don't have to cook product to order. Our product's cooked, right? So the drive-through goes that much quicker because all you have to do is order it. It's on a shelf. We put it in a box and we hand it to you. So it's a very different experience than when you go through these, you know, QSRs or fast food guys or whatever you want to call them, fast casual guys, right, that have to cook the order. I mean, my, all mine's done and it's ready to go. So we, we like to do drive through. It, it, you know, eliminate some of the experience, right? I think people are in the middle. Um, but we've done really well with them in, in, in Texas. We're in Katy and Cyprus and, and Washington, where we have drive throughs so is the, some of the challenges that most everyone that we've been talking to that had had to work through uh, with either supply chain, inflationary prices on product, uh, <laughs> management of labor, how has that impacted you with either the ability to find, retain staff, keep reasonable prices with unbelievable uh, you know, dairy and grocery costs? Yeah, you must have, once again, you must have been in my strategy meeting earlier this week. Um, Because all those things we talk about on a regular basis, right, as a team and what are we doing and how are we doing it and how are we managing it? It's it's a challenge, right? It's it's not for the faint of heart. I've been doing this for 40 plus years and this is the toughest time I've ever experienced, right? Because of those, you know, one time labor is tough, one time supply chain is tough, one time the cost of retail is tough. It's everything now, right? You got to watch everything and nothing Every time they think they step off the gas pedal, something else pushes down. I will tell you the one thing we do really well here is, is we're, we do really well with our, with our teams. We really, really, really focus. It's a dedicated focus to ensure that our managers and our team, people that are doing hiring, understand what it looks like to hire people. It's an area that I, that I, I quite frankly, I missed over my career. Right? We give the managers, the hourly managers or someone in our stores the right to hire people, interview and hire people. And it's probably one of the skill sets we spend less time training on, right? We train them how to run a restaurant. We train them how to do the numbers. We train them how to do production. But how much time do you spend training them on how to interview somebody and find the right people and identify the right people? You're going to get tired. I mean, go ahead, Chris. No, finish up, please. This is really good. And and we spend a lot of time doing that, right? Which thereby thereby helps with our turnover, right? Because we're hiring the right person up front. And, and, and I got that aha moment when I was here at Voodoo because I used to walk in stores and be like, how come everybody in the store looks like the store manager? Because you hire and you're like this when, you, when you're not super comfortable in asking questions. You're like, I like that person. They listen to the same music. They have the same likes. I'm going to hire them in. And I'd walk in stores and be like, everyone looks like the store manager. Not, not physically, but they just have the same likes and the same music. And, um, and so we spent a lot of time on that during our growth. We have a great HR team that really focus in training our managers on that. And so that helps a lot with the, we have no employee shortages. We just don't, we never have through the COVID outside the back of COVID when everyone had labor shortages and labor challenges, we never had it. We just never did. And I think part of that was again, hiring the right people up front. You know, once more, Chris, and you're probably tired of hearing me saying this, the conversation every time for successful operators 
goes back to recruitment, hiring, onboarding, training, and none of them underemphasize that as an important part of their success, uh, particularly now. It just uh, it amazes me uh, the conversation always gets around to that. And it sounds like for you, Chris, that's a, a huge part of the success of what you're doing right now. Yeah, I mean, listen, we sell donuts, right? I don't sell a donut. I'm not, I'm not talking to a customer, right? The most important person in my company is the folks that are standing at the counter selling the donut across the counter to a customer. Right. That's the most important person. Right. And I came to find out we were spending less time interviewing that person than we were talking about, I don't know, one of our production people. And I'm like, how are we spending less time talking to one person that can make a difference with my customers than anybody else? Um, so we've kind of flipped it on to the ear a little bit. We're getting better at it. And I think, but that's what we're going to be really great at, right? You can't be great at it. Share with us uh, some, some of the principles that you've learned there. Because I think, I think you just hit a really key part. I think a lot of uh, operators would have probably agreed with you that the realization of having to spend more time uh, training people to select people, you know, it, it, you know, it kind of came, you know, recently. Um, but you've got a workable team. They seem to all have fun. I always believe that people seem to stay where they believe they fit in. If they're doing well, they like what they're doing, they'll probably stay longer. Now that's, that's visible when you see the hourly staff working behind the counter at a Voodoo Donut. Um, so maybe you could share with the listeners some key principles that they should be doing when they're, say, you know, training a manager to hire or, or training a person to hire a manager. Yeah. And, and thank you for those kind words. I'm, I'm glad to hear they're having fun. Right. We make donuts like they should have fun. Like it's not like, come on now. We, we make donuts. And I remind them. I, we talk to our managers every 28 days and we have a call with them. And I remind them every 28 days. Man, we make donuts, right? If I had told my mom I'd make a living making donuts, she'd have laughed me out the door. So uh, I appreciate I appreciate you sharing that. But um, you know what? What we what we tend to talk to our managers about is listen more than they talk, right? Listen, listen, listen more than you talk. And they're 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 leaders, right? And they're managers, and and they're used to talking and giving advice and giving direction to the stores, right? Some of our stores have seventy employees, like we. We go from 50 to 70 in our stores, given given the volume and given the hours we're open. We're open 22 hours a day. It's a lot of hours. We've got to have a lot of people. And, you know, they're used to always giving directions. So one of the things we always tell them is, number one, make sure that make sure that you're listening. Number two, and I'm going to give you this real tip, and, and don't tell anybody else because I think it's a key to our success. Heidi runs our HR team. She taught me this many years ago. But the very first question they ask is, what are you passionate about? And people go, well, I'm passionate about working. I'm passionate. No, 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 stop. Stop, stop, stop. If you had one day to do anything you could do in the world, what would you do? What are you passionate about? And she has them. The key to that is if someone can light up about going on a hike or, or drawing or listening to music or spending time with their family, if they light up and they're passionate about that, I know I can teach you how to make donuts. Mm -hmm. Right? You got to have a passion. If they can't let it be passionate, then we got to have a further conversation, right? Because if you're not passionate about something in your life, it's hard to be passionate about. We're trying to get you excited about working in a donut shop. It's hard, right? And so that's, that engages a conversation. It's, it's not around more of a situational behavioral questions. 
right. that we've all grew up with, right? Tell me about a time when these are hourly folks, right? They're, tell me about a time when, no, tell me about your passion about it. Tell me about you. What do you do? Who are you? What kind of person are you, right? Do you have a best friend? Who is your best friend? What kind of music do you listen to? And it's all about personal conversation versus can you show up at 10 o'clock on Tuesday? Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I'm just listening to you. And I thought, you know, I, I haven't heard one thing that is really directly towards a um, function. Uh, everything I've heard is all about character. So you're leading, looking for characteristics because you obviously live by the adage that you can train the functionality. So right. we're asking, you're not asking any questions about the uh, equipment, are they an experienced fryer? Have they ever baked before? Haven't heard any of that yet. None of it. Skill and will, right? You guys know this. I mean, it's the old, it's the old adage, right? 30 years ago, right? I can teach you skill. I can't teach you will. Mm-hmm. Good. Right? So if you have the will, I can teach you the skill. If you don't have the will, I don't care what I'm trying to teach you. You're never going to learn it. And so we look for will, right? Higher, higher on attitude rather than aptitude. And we spend a lot of time with our managers just doing just that. And, and I think when you walk, and I'm glad you said this, but you walk in our stores, listen, it's not all Shangri-La every day. Of course not. It's work and, right? But we also give our teams full autonomy to make decisions. So I, my big thing is simply do the right thing. So if you're in our stores and somebody behind the counter wants to give you a free donut, they have every right, 100% my support to give you a free donut. If they want to give you a dozen donuts because you're having a bad day, give you a dozen donuts. But what we tell them is, if all the donuts you're giving away are to your friends and family and uncle and aunt and niece and cousin, yeah. you know that's not the right thing to do. Something's going to happen to you. And we openly say that. Like, yeah. you know it. I know it. We're not going to have this kind of – and it's same thing at Mod. We were in Mod, mm-hmm. right? And we kind of live by that here now at Voodoo, which is, you know, and, and treating people like adults and individuals when they make those decisions. And do we have to be able to take advantage of it? Sure. Any more or less than any other company? I'd like to think I like to think it's better because we give them that opportunity, right, to to be their own individuals, and and so you know that's part of our our deal. So when we talk about that, we can't. What can we control? I can't control supply chain. I can go find different vendors and negotiate better pricing, but that's going to go where it's going to go, and I'm going to shave a couple of pennies, a couple of nickels. But what I can control is our labor and ensuring we have the right people doing the right job who are working hard. And delivering on the experience for our customers, right? I mean, I, you know, I have 550 people in my marketing team. That's all my hourly people, right? And I tell them that every day when I'm in the store, I'm like, are you being a good marketer or a crappy marketer today? And in the store, they'll laugh and be like, you're right, Chris, I'm a bad marketer today. And we're, you know, we're in Denver, we're in Houston, we're in Austin, we're in San Antonio, we're in Vancouver, Washington, we're in Portland, we're in Eugene, we're in Orlando, we're in the Denver airport, we're in LA. So it's not like we're just local here. This, this kind of resonates out. We're about to be in Boulder. We've got a store coming in Tempe, Arizona, we just announced. So, From a structural point of view, are you expanding all as a company or are you doing licensed joint ventures? Will you franchise? How does that work? Yeah, so we, uh, we have two license agreements. So Universe Studios, Orlando and LA, that's one of our license agreements. And then the Denver Airport is a second license agreement. We have one more coming, another airport that I can't announce yet. Um, that'll be before the end of the year. And then other than that, they're all company-owned stores. We don't, we don't franchise. We're company-owned and we're company-operated. And so 
that's where the fun lies, right? Because they're all us. And how do you grow it? And how do you do it? And so something interesting about the way you've been talking and uh, from a perspective of somebody who wants to be multi-unit operator, I, I don't get the sense that you spend most of your time um, cloistered in some corner office in a high rise somewhere. <laughs> I'm getting the sense that if I work for Voodoo Donuts, I've seen your face. I've talked to you. You might have even patted me on the back at one point. How does that work? I mean, for independent operator with one or two units, yeah, yeah you got the owner. They're there. They're touching tables and everything. H how do you be that guy when you have that many stores or you know, my over am I again, maybe reading too much into what you're telling me? No, you know, I, uh, a long time ago, I worked for uh, Howard BR, uh, who made resonate with you guys was one of the founders of Starbucks. And, uh, I worked for two years on special projects for him. I was at Starbucks and he, he was adamant. It's about, it's about your teams, about your people, about your people, about your people. And then when I was at mod, I just, I made it a point to be in the stores, right? Like at least one day a week, I'm in the stores or on a Saturday morning, I'm in a store or I travel down on a Sunday. And my, it's a lot of time. It is. Listen, this business is not for the faint of heart. If you're in it because you think it's going to be easy or you were a backyard cook and now you're going to just, you know, it's hard. It's hard, but I love it, right? And if you love people, you got to love people. So when I go in the store, I don't spend a lot of time looking at how they're making donuts. Like I have a team that does that. I have district managers and a, a VP operations. I have a lot of people that check the P&Ls and how they're making donuts. I spend very little time doing that. I spend more time talking to folks in the stores and, and what's going on. Like the team in the office here knows when they don't see me, if I'm having a bad day, I literally go to a donut shop and I just hang out. But I grew up in the business, right? So as I said initially, I didn't go to college. It's not like I have this college around the wall that I, that I learned. I learned from working in the restaurants. Mm -hmm. And so I want to be the kind of leader that I wanted as when I was growing up, right? Which was someone who was connected with me. And again, it's not all Shangri-La, but, but I make it a point to, to ensure that I'm, I'm connecting with them. Every morning, I call at least one manager five days a week, every morning on my drive-in. So on my drive, it's about a 30 minute drive. Every single morning I call one of them and they all laugh because like, oh, it's my turn. So <laughs> one of the AGMs or GMs I call and they all know they have like 20 minutes of my time while I'm in the car. And I never talk about their business ever. How are you doing? How's your family doing? When's the last time you've been on vacation? Are you going on vacation? Why are you not going on vacation? Hey, I'm going on vacation. Here's where I'm going. Mm. And I do that. I used to do it at Mod and I used to do it at Starbucks and I do it now. So, you know, what, what you're really emphasizing, and so well, by the way, I mean, I'm taken by the stories, and I love every example that you're given, but this is just one more thing, Barry, where our listeners need to stop whatever they're doing and take note and realize that whatever <laughs> business they're in, uh, we're, we're listening to somebody right now who's the leader of Innovated Donuts, but he's talking about people, not you know, not, not the donuts. It's a people business after all. So I hope everyone takes note of that, that you that sometimes maybe we over, over indulge on the system policy procedure uh, or what we're prepping, how we're inventorying and how the kitchen's working. Maybe we're not spending enough time with our people. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, it I, comes I, up. Go ahead, 
Go ahead, Barry. I'm sorry. No, no, I, I was just, you know, saying amen. I mean, it, it and, it's, and it's not just us talking. It's it's our guests like you who actually are running successful operations that are saying, hey, this is this this is a huge deal. So um, please go ahead. I, I mean, this is important conversation. No, I, you know, listen, I, I make it sound super simple, right? This is 40 years in the making. Sure. I will tell you 15 years ago, I, you know, I was all about the numbers and calling everybody and demanding answers to labor being high. And, you know, where's our, why is our food cost where it's at? And, um, that, so I don't forget that, right? Don't, and it's important for you to understand that's an element of being a successful business. That's, that's the entrance to the party, right? I don't get to be nice to everybody if our numbers aren't where they need to be, <laughs> right? That's where it starts and stops. But, but allowing people to, to help me make those decisions, understand it, and driving to get answers to our people is what I've learned over years, right? And, and, and ensuring they understand I care about them as much as I care about the business. Mm-hmm. So 40 years in the business, obviously still passionate about it. I know you're not faking that. <laughs> and you know, I'm a pro start judge. I've got a son who is in the hospitality business out of college, and this is what he wants to do. So mm-hmm. for our younger listeners, our younger readers, <laughs> what's the future in this business? Why should they try to follow you down your uh, path and be, do what you're doing? Yeah, don't. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, you know, what I would say is this, again, it's not for the faint of heart, right? I mean, for those that, that dig feeding people, for those that dig working with people, for those that really dig the hospitality side of the business, like I love feeding people. Like there's nothing better than someone saying, man, that was a good donut or that was a great party. Or man, I had a lot of fun there, right? That just that just warms my heart, right? It makes me feel good about it, um, and and know it's long hours, and know that it comes with a commitment. And one day is not like the next. Like you got to dig the fact that one day everyone shows up, and the next day I'm like, did everyone stop eating donuts? Like what happened yesterday? Mm-hmm. And the answer was, people didn't come in the restaurant yesterday. And if you get too high centered on any of that, you'll lose your mind and you'll get out. But if you really dig it, you dig people and want to be a part of that, this is a, a phenomenal industry. It's only the, the only industry I know where you can start as a dishwasher and become a CEO. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm walking proof of that. Yeah. My first job, and I'll tell you this quick story. I know we got to run, but let me tell you this quick story because they could, well, hit on. When I was 16 years old, uh, on my 16th birthday, I woke up super excited and I went downstairs. I thought we were going to have this big party and uh, no big party. I went off to school. I came back home, no big party. And uh, my dad said, Kay, come on, come with me. We're going to go somewhere uh, for your birthday present. I thought this is the coolest thing ever. Like I'm going to go get a car. Right. So I got in the car with my dad. We're driving. We just drive right around the block to a little restaurant called Sobrosos. This is in LA. And we pull in the parking lot and I'm like, is there like a party or like a surprise party? Man, no one parked their cars out because it was empty. Like they surprise party. This could be the coolest thing ever. Oh my God, a surprise party. I've never had one. So my dad goes, come on, come on. So we go in the restaurant, we open the door up and there's nobody in the restaurant, not a soul. And I'm like, what's going on? And he, and he says to the guy behind the counter, Smiley, I knew it's Smiley. So Smiley, you know, Chris is here with me. And this guy comes out and my dad says, Chris, I want to introduce you to George. George, please meet Chris. And I was like, oh, nice to meet you, George. My dad said, happy birthday. You start working here tomorrow as a dishwasher. Nice. Mm. Now, 
I worked there for five years. They called me Carlos for five years. Never called me Chris. <laughs> but someone asked me a question one day, like, what's it like to be the CEO? Like you're a first time CEO of Voodoo Donut. And I was like, are you crazy? I was the CEO of the dish pit. Like yeah. for five years, I was the CEO of the dish pit at Sabrosos. But I, that's my story of being in the restaurant business, right? Yeah. That's where I started. <laughs> and so I just didn't know anything else. Right. And, and so when people ask me why, I'm like, first, know you want to do it, be committed to it and know that you can be anything you want in this business. Yeah. You can be a CEO. You can own your restaurant business. No one looks at you and reads your resume and goes, sorry, you don't you, No, you can't do that. Not in the restaurant business. So that's my answer. Right. I'm living proof. Right. No, no one, no one looks at your resume. Mm-hmm. Everyone, everyone talks about who are you? Can you do the job? And then, Sky's the limit, right? You make your own path. And uh, for some reason, um, the our industry seems to be like a magnet to others who are successful in their own business. But I never figured it out. Maybe you can give me your version as to why people uh, that are probably in your line, they're getting coffee and donuts, you know, and they're going to other busy concepts for maybe lunch or dinner. They yeah. love what we do. They hate selling whatever it is, pipeline or oil tools, but they're making a good living. So they hurry, they take early retirement, and it's so that they can open up their own you know, restaurant. Uh, I don't know of any other industry that seems to be so attractive to people who have succeeded in other businesses, uh, but they can't wait to retire, take their money, and then open up a place. And it's all because they have so much fun being a customer. I don't know, maybe you've got a Maybe you've got some advisement to give them. I'm sure some of them <laughs> well, are online right now. <laughs> yeah, you know, it, it, it looks easy, right? You go in a restaurant as a customer, it looks easy because you're, you're not behind the kitchen wall. There's only two people when there should be five, <laughs> right? And, 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 and the truck still didn't show up with the chicken and you're down to your last order of chicken and the truck still didn't show up. You don't know that as a customer. Right. Or the fact the shake machine broke for those fast casual and – Oh my goodness, how are we going to make shakes today? And oh yeah, Joe called off, the dish guy called off on the overnights. So you don't see any of that. All you see is, hey, the music's loud, people are having fun, I'm eating food. Things are, it's just fun. Who doesn't want to be part of fun, right? I want that job. Where does fun come into play? And I think people then get into the restaurant business and realize it's a restaurant business. Mm-hmm. You visited the restaurant. Now you've taken over a restaurant business. And the business part is something no one ever considers. Yeah. Right? Um, on a Tuesday afternoon, Tuesday evening, you look up and no one's in there. You're like, where did we go? And it just so happened, for whatever reason, they changed, they turned the lights out or they're, they're putting up a, a sewage in the middle of the street. And how did you know? Next thing you show up, and there's all these trucks out in front of your store. And now for the next four months, the ingress, ingress is cut off. You had no idea. That's true. Yeah. And yet the bills keep coming. Wow. So those are the things that happen, right? You just have to be willing to, to know that when you go into it, right? With a plan, a plan to succeed, right? But also a plan to understand failure happens, right? One of the things that I coach our teams on is fail fast or fail early. Yeah. Right? We're growing and we've done a lot. Of, I've, I've failed more times than I've succeeded. I mean, I really have. I've made some really really bad decisions in my career. Um, you know, some, some, thankfully, most I could get through the back end of, 
but I, I, I've learned that, that that happens, right? You run a special or, you know, I decided when I got the video that no one was buying vegan donuts. So we're just going to stop selling vegans. So I just turned the spigot off. And in 30 days, you'd have thought I said, we're stopped selling donuts. People were screaming, like, where's the vegan donuts? Where's the, and I was like, oh God, what a terror. But I didn't ask anybody. I just read the numbers, made the decision. Mm. Right. So although I've been doing a long time, I haven't gotten that much smarter to finally figure out, maybe I should ask a few people, hey, what do you think? Menu engineering, engineering gurus, please underline that sentence. Yeah. Right. What do you, what, what do you exactly. think, right? <laughs> well, and you know, now, maybe we could use that as an example because I've noticed that Voodoo over the years has done some interesting things. I mean, sure, there's the vegan items, gluten-free. Uh, Maybe there was some engagement. I don't know. You'll have to tell me, how did the process come about where you sort of extend the brand to unique things like donuts for catered <laughs> parties, um, weddings? Yeah. I still, I don't know how that works. I've seen the sign yeah. stores. I see it on the website. What, what, how, how did you decide to get into that? Well, it, you know, prior to me coming, got to remember that Voodoo up until two months before COVID was a cash only business. So no online, no third party, literally in January. So COVID in March and January, we turned on credit cards. We never even taken a credit card here, Voodoo. Wow. And then March hit, COVID hits. We shut, a, we shut half a dozen stores, shut four stores down. So online ordering, all of that took place kind of post-COVID or in the middle of COVID. So we're still learning our way right around just that catering special events like we can do centerpiece. We have great artists that can do centerpieces and all sorts of fun and funky things. But we still try to be reveling a little bit. We don't apologize for anything. So all of our donuts are kind of interesting, right? We have, you know, uh, 420s coming in. In some cities, 420s a holiday, right? Go to Denver. It's crazy. Yeah. So we, we have a donut coming out called the train wreck next week on 420. It is a peanut butter dipped, banana filled, Frosted flakes on top with sriracha on top of that. Why? Because we can. Yeah. Right. So, but to talk a little bit more, we just now, funny enough, just in the last six months, we've, we've implemented a, a call line for special orders. Because what we found out was, you know, and it, again, that Oda moment, I was in a store, the phone rang and, uh, and someone answered and I was watching and they put on hold and I walked over and the phone was sitting there for like five minutes. I thought, well, who's going to take this? I picked up, and there was a customer who wanted to place an order. And I was like, what a bad experience that customer just had. Yeah. Now, I ended up taking the order, but we were so busy, we didn't have time to take that order. So now we have a one, now we have a one-stop call line where we forward it to somebody who answers the phone here in the office, and we take those orders. But that had to be me in a store going, oh, duh. And the stores all laughed at me. I'm like, now you won't have to the phones. They go, oh, yeah, we've been waiting for that to happen. Like, well, could someone have told me, like, there were a bunch of numbskulls? So we're working hard on that side of the business, and we do think it's an untapped opportunity for us. Now I'm stuck on this whole 420 festival <laughs> thing. Is there a, is there a cannabis-infused donut in, in uh, your future? And I, I got to imagine that's like a, a self-perpetuating machine there. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you this. So if you go in one of our new stores, we have, we have wallpaper we made um, of all of our donut failures. So in our, in our hallways to the bathrooms, mm -hmm. it's, custom, it's custom wallpaper we made 
with each of our donuts that you're like, what the what? So in the days we've made a NyQuil donut, mm-hmm. literally NyQuil, right? We've made a Pepto-Bismol donut. <laughs> we've made a pickle donut. We've made a ramen donut, right? We've made a donut with shrimp on top of it. We've made a donut with oysters on top of it. You know, we've done a little bit of everything. So if you go in any beauty store now, you'll see this custom wallpaper that uh-huh. we designed and developed that has all these donuts. And people are like, did you really make those? Yeah, we tried. We tried to make all of them. And again, company owned, right? So we don't have to convince anybody. Just right. convince ourselves that let's go give it a shot. And don't be, you know, I, I would tell people, don't be so, um, it's okay to make fun of yourselves, right? It's okay. Right. Like people want to be part of, people want to be part of the party. I don't care where you go. If I go to a sit down restaurant, white tablecloth, I still want to be part of the party. And I think many times people, I think many times people forget, they forget that, right? The team looks like they're having a great party. They should invite the customers. In in terms of the real estate growth strategy, and I'm sure this is well in your wheelhouse, a lot of the, Mm -hmm. the, the newer multi uh, successful multi-unit operators, you know, they're saying that we want to get the right location, but it doesn't have to be the same square footage for every single unit. It doesn't have to look that the one unit in LA doesn't have to look like the one in Denver. You'll have the same vibe, the same menu, the same artwork, right. but um, we're just looking for good space at a good price. And, and, and we're not worried that every single unit looks like a cookie cutter to the others. Is that kind of where you are? Yeah. So I, I don't want to build a chain. Right. I want to build a series of stores. Mm-hmm a series of stores, not a chain of stores, right? And that's important for me. So that every store looks a little bit, you know, like a string of pearls, right? You know, it all goes together. They just all look a little different. Mm-hmm. So if you go to our store in San Antonio, we have $8,000 chandelier and a full-size replica longhorn steer on top of the bathroom. Mm-hmm. Why? Because we're voodoo. Who knows? But if you go to Austin, our new store in Austin, it has a disco ball, right? One's 3,100 square feet, one's 2,500 square feet. And I think that exactly, that's a great point because I think that's changed over the years. Mm-hmm. Yes. Right? Before, almost all, almost everybody was like, I want to be between 24 and 2,800 square feet square on an end cap. Check me out. And we were all chasing the same thing, um, whether you were Chipotle or Mod or Voodoo. Everyone's yeah. chasing the same, same thing. And, and the reality is now you're starting to learn that people will find you, right? People will find you if you have a good brand. And here's the other thing that, that's happened over the years is social media, mm-hmm. right? Let's not forget that. Like social media is a storefront for me. So I say I have 17 stores. I have 18 stores. One is my social media. Sure. Right. And so they'll find you. If and when you identify, we just announced a store in Tempe, Arizona, just last week. And we've had like over 50 media hits. Wow. Um, And that just comes through that social media channel, right? Of communicating, hey, we're coming. Here's what's going on. People are finding out information faster than than I can give the information out. Yeah. So I I think that that's one of the, on a real estate selection. And I choose all the, I choose all the sites. I see every site. I sign off on every site. It's one of the things I still haven't given up. I help design every site, but I but it's an interesting dynamic, right? Real estate prices are not coming down. We thought they would, and they just haven't. And this comes from, you know, we, like I say, we've got six sites signed up for this year, and we're looking to do ten to twelve next year. And on a twenty store base, you know, 
increasing it by 50 or 75% each year. It's pretty, it's a pretty good run. That's tremendous. No, I love, I love it. I, I think that that's a, that's a pretty good run. I mean, if you can go, I mean, you're, you're talking 17 to 25, you're talking 10 to 20 units after that. That's a, that's a tremendous run. But, you know, I just want to underline one of those key points that you were talking about, too, the idea that you can really have a successful brand by making sure that every location is similar, but not identical. We're, we're still tripping over people that we work with that I think are a little hung up on uh, a lot of too many little things as far as exact size, exact flow, exact same table, exact same chair. Uh, and I'm going to, if it's okay with you, uh, remind them of your line that maybe they should shoot for having more of a series of stores, not necessarily a chain of stores. Um, this way, I think they'd, they'd still, they'll have more personality in their unit. Uh, obviously, you've mastered that. Mm -hmm. Well, every neighborhood looks different. I yeah. mean, I, the way I look at it, you know, I drive down one neighborhood, the houses look different than the other neighborhood. So why would I want to put the same restaurant in every neighborhood? Doesn't work. Right. Like make it feel like the neighborhood, right? Make it feel like what you're a part of. And, and that doesn't mean you're changing the dynamic or the brand colors or the signage, but, you know, one, one can, I, I, and again, you can make this out, right, as you go, but they just look different and they have to fit into the neighborhood they're in. We're on 6th Street in Austin and, you know, it's 6,000 square feet and funky and there's a gigantic American neon flag. I'm not putting that in a small store in Eugene, Oregon. Mm -hmm. Makes um, sense. And so I, I think that's where I, it really hit home with me. Um, you know, now you have to have repeatable and sustainable, of course. Repeatable, sustainable, consistent, right? We all heard those terms all the time. Repeatable, sustainable, consistent. And that's with your design and your product and your people. Absolutely. Yeah. But, you know, wide boulevard, high curves, right? I, I saw that from Scott Svensson and Mod. He used to say wide boulevard and high curves. So give yourself a lot of leeway. Just know where the curves are. Mm -hmm. <laughs> well, listen, on that point, we're probably going to have to wrap up. I hope everybody that's listening has really, really paid attention. We've been getting some tremendous uh, business principles from one of the best. So that's, that's just tremendous, tremendous input. I wish we had a lot more time. Chris, if it's okay with you, we're probably going to have to grab a donut, have some coffee, and bring you back one day. This Let's is Chris Schultz, the CEO of Voodoo Donut. Uh, look them up, and um, hopefully you'll find one in your neighborhood real soon. Thanks again, Chris, for joining Thanks, us. Thanks, guys. I appreciate you. Thanks so Thank much. Thank you, for Chris. Time. Be well. Talk to you soon. Thank you. Thank you for joining us on The Corner Booth. We'll be back next Tuesday with more inspiration, insights, and industry best practices to help you engage your team, delight your guests, and grow your business.